Welcome to the Man of War podcast. My name is Rafa Conde, and of course, as always, a man on a mission here to transform you into a modern-day warrior, into a 21st century man. That's what I'm talking about, a man who steps up come hell or high water, a man who wants to be a stronger father, husband, leader, visionary, a man of action. And that's how we do it here at the Man of War. All right, guys, first and foremost, I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for pushing redefining the 21st century man to be a national bestseller. I mean, that's a big step and kind of blew me away, but I'm humbled and I am honored. If you have not purchased the book, I highly recommend you do. It's called Redefining the 21st Century Man, and it's pretty much an Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere you want to buy it, all right? Also, follow us on Instagram, at Man of War with two R's. Uh, we also have a Man of War Crucible um, Instagram account, TikTok under my name at Rafa J. Conde, and finally YouTube, which is youtube.com forward slash man of war. We're bringing you videos, long form and short form there every single day. Okay, let's talk about this real quick. The Men of War Crucible. All right, first and foremost, for those who have sent applications, submitted applications, great. For those who don't even know what the hell I'm talking about, I want you to stop for one second here. Go to Men of War, that's M-E-N of War, crucible.com, and check out this rite of passage for men. All right, this is the fastest growing brotherhood in the world. All right, a private brotherhood for warrior-minded men. It is also one of the fastest growing companies in the world in the personal development space. You have to check this out. All right, guys, today's special guest, he is a brother, a made man in the Men of War Society, someone that has a very, very powerful story. What I want you to do is whip out a pen and paper. I want you to write some of these important principles that we're going to discuss today and integrate them as always into your life. Without further ado, let's jump right into it. JC Quintana, welcome to the Man of War podcast, my brother. It is an honor to have you on. And first and foremost, what I want to have you do is, of course, introduce yourself and give a little bit of background from, you know, where you are, where you've been and what type of man you are today. Well, thank you for having me here, uh, Coach. Uh, it's it's uh, actually an honor having joined the society so uh, only a couple of months ago. Uh, my background, as you can see, Juan Quintana, Cuban descent, first generation immigrant of parents. Uh, that came to the United States basically to provide us uh, a better opportunity. Grew up, you know, I, I, I don't like to say from nothing because I grew up from love from my parents. Um, even though I had a divorced mom and an older brother, we always had family. Family and faith was something that was always instilled um, and there was always food on the table somewhere or another, but that kind of foundation was always instilled in me in some rough areas where I grew up down here in, in, in Miami. And my only alternative was to do something with my life. Um, if, if I wanted to make a difference and or provide for my own family. That's what my parents fought so hard for. Uh, I did just that. You know, I was not the common, uh, I guess, scholar, but naturally bright in school. Teachers always said I had a lot of potentials, but I was working since I was 14, uh, single mom, working in a factory, things like that. So I always had life distractions, but I knew I had to stay focused. Um, to have something, had multiple jobs, even while I was going to college, uh, graduated from college, uh, became uh, in finance, 
uh, was offered an opportunity to be a stockbroker with uh, Charles Schwab out of a, a fair in my university. But I fell in love with my wife, you know, 30 years ago, and she was a teacher and I was doing mortgage brokeraging. So it kind of worked for me. You know, I, I went into the teaching field. I was doing my mortgages. I was dating my girl. Everything was perfect. Then um, I, be, I got a master's then I got a specialist. I moved up in the rankings very quickly in the school system down here. But then I had my daughter, our first child. We have five children. Um, and that changed my life completely. Now I was responsible for someone else and I was stagnant. I had basically plateaued in my career. Um, I was being promoted here and there, but I was still working for someone. I always had a business mentality. I didn't like working for others, but I was a good uh, soldier. And at around the age of 32, my wife gets pregnant with our second child. And she's kind of told we're going through some political stuff here in the school district, many changes in superintendents. And one of her supervisors tells her, you're coming back in three months, correct? And she's like, no, and my husband and I, she was also a school administrator. You know, we were both professional. And she gets told, um, you're not coming back in three months. She goes, no, I'm taking my year. My husband and I have planned. And she gets told, you're, you might not come back to the same school you were at, you know, kind of like a threat. We're going to send you to an area where, you know, kind of like saying, if you're not a team player kind of so my wife comes back home and with the same face i'm showing you right now tells me you have a business degree right put it to work put it to work you better do something with it and um i'm not working anymore for the school system and that's what changed my life i went into business now i own and operate 16 years later the fourth largest charter operator in the state of florida uh we have over nearly 10,000 kids 1,500 employees uh, annual revenues, government revenues, over $70 million. And um, I'm responsible for a lot of youth and I'm doing something that I love. And that's where I'm at today. Awesome, man. Awesome. So let's backtrack a little bit here. So talk to me about how you came across the crucible and um, where were you in that, you know, that time of your life when you maybe you watched the video a little bit and then you were like, bam, you know, put in your application and the process started. So it, it wasn't a surprise to me because I had been for some time. I'm a combat athlete. I love MMA. I've been training martial arts my whole life. Even um, uh, at this age, I'm still active, very active uh, three days a week. And I'm, I'm, I reached a point, I'm 49 at that time, and I'm a successful businessman. I'm going on 30 years with my wife, an amazing family. My daughter gets into UM. My kids are all doing them. So everything's perfect. And I'm like, what, what else is there? So from being such a highly driven person to achieve, it's almost like I reached a point where I'm like, I've achieved it all. I'm, I'm boxing every week. I'm, I'm training with young guys. So physically, mentally, emotionally, I was like, okay, is this it? Is, is, have I reached, you know, at age 49 and I'm just supposed to stay coasting for the rest. So I, I, I found myself wanting to be fulfilled, wanting to feel, wanting to, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm stimulated by physical activity and combat. And I run into this post on social media, which I don't go on very much. I have people in my company that manage all that for me. And I see uh, yourself and I see all these things and I'm like, wow, this looks like a, like a challenge. This looks like, you know, you know, excuse my job, but balls to the walls. Like you're either going to make it or you're not. Um, I need something to take me there. See if I feel I have more to offer. When you reach to the top of an organization where there is no one else above you, it becomes hard to continue finding things to motivate you. 
because it's you're basically motivating everybody else all day long. Um, so I submitted my application, you know, uh, and then I received a call. You know, I, I, I believe someone from your office called me and then you called me. And once I was in, I, I got ready. Awesome. All right. So here you are going into the crucible. Um, you have your, your squad ready to go. And before we get into that, your experience in the crucible, I want to talk about something very powerful in your life that happened and some of the demons that have been hunting, you know, hunting you down for, for a while. Um, so you were a man that really came into the crucible to, to try to see if, if, if you can get to the other side. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. So in my life and I'll share, you know, I've been pretty open once I do, I usually, usually like to get comfortable with people before I share, but in this brotherhood, it, it came out pretty quickly. And even before I got to the crucible, I had started sharing it with some of the guys from group 12. Um, so I shared, I had five kids, uh, my middle son, uh, at the age of three, uh, in, in our home, uh, passes away to a drowning accident. Uh, we were home. It wasn't anything careless. It was just, you know, things that unfortunately God laid in my path. And it was a, an extremely uh, devastating experience, but not only to me, but to many, many, many involved in our life and our community. Um, we're very embedded into our community, not only as businessmen, but as community members. So it, it was a huge uh, impact. I had over a thousand people uh, attend his funeral. It was it, it affected many, many of us and woke many people up to the reality that things like that can happen to to people like us, where you think that stuff can never happen to me. I'm never gonna get robbed like that. I'm never gonna get pulled up at gunpoint. I'm not, you know, you you think that's just stuff for the news and so and here you are all of a sudden someone suffers the loss of a child. So your mind goes and unless you've gone through it, it's a very exclusive club is like I like to call it there's a cross you carry your whole life that many cannot understand. But we had basically three choices at that time we were in the peak of opening uh, expanding our organization, it was early on in our careers which was in 2013 early on in our business uh, ventures, and I, I found myself I, I, I took another route where my wife was basically as expected non-functioning in a bed, you know, dealing. And we have four other children. I had newborn twins. I had a six-year-old and I had an eight-year-old at the time of the accident. And my son was going to three in the middle. Um, I, I went into like a phase of numbness so that I can operate. So even though we put our whole family through therapy, my kids were in the pool when the accident happened, my two older kids, so there was a lot of trauma for them. My wife was there. I had stepped out for a moment to take someone home when that's when the accident happened. So I had a lot of issues dealing with uh, neglect, not being there for my family. I should have been there if I was sure, there, sure. all that kind of stuff where they had traumatic experience. By the time I arrived, my son was already in the ambulance being worked on. Um, so, I had three options. One, I either kill myself. I'll be honest with you. Those are thoughts you have. You know, you end it. You become, I don't want to say a coward because I don't want to judge other people, but you basically give up. You're saying, I can't feel this anymore. Forget everybody else. I'm done. Two, you either go to drugs, drinking, whatever, something to pacify and numb yourself, or you figure out how to move forward. I had four other kids and a wife that was really, so I took that time to step up 
and take my family forward. But it was for about two years. Within two weeks, I was back opening another school. I mean, there was no time. And I became a machine. I didn't feel. I wasn't happy. I wasn't sad. I wasn't excited. I was nothing. I was just a robot, but getting everything to continue to, to happen. Then after two years of that, I did have, you know, a very, I finally was feeling and I started, but I still was walking in life without a purpose. And I was opening schools. I was being successful employing people and I wasn't excited. It was just my capacity was there. My ability to do it was natural to do it. And my successes were just happening. And I, but I always kept my faith. That that was my only outlet. My faith and my wife when she started coming back. Um, and but I was still even till recently that I went into the crucible. I went in there telling you guys when you asked for the purpose. I said I want to feel. I don't feel. I, I'm I'm just coasting, waiting for my turn. You know to go to heaven. And I lived in that for about nine years. Wow. That's a powerful story. Thank you for sharing. Uh, so fr from there, um, <clears throat> what was your mindset coming into the crucible? So in anything that I do or I commit to, or I invest myself in always, I uh, go in a hundred percent or more. So when I committed um, and I did my research based on what's available because there's what you see and then there's what is going to happen. Um, I tried my best to prepare physically. Uh, I knew that my strength was going to be my mental capacity. And I had even shared when you interviewed me that I did not want to be a squad leader. I did. I, I was in there to to feel and for me to be broken, I could not be in control because I'm in control every day of my life. So I wanted to exclusively not, and you had ranked me high and you said, listen, you have the markings to be, a, and I said, that, that's not why I'm going. I want to kind of learn to be humble, learn to take directions. I typically am very dominant in conversations. I don't let people talk. It's, it's, it's a different environment, but I wanted to at least my, my most intense preparation came from the physical part because I knew there was no way to physically prepare for what I was going into, but I wanted to have the capacity to sustain it, to get through the whole process of the emotional and mental change I was looking for. So what I was looking for was not, oh, I accomplished this physical feat. I was it. No, I was looking for, I needed to be broken to see if my demons would be released. Awesome. Day one starts the crucible. You will finally meet your brothers you know, face to face, talk to me, talk, talk me through it. So I was with a unique group. Our group was the alpha group. We actually bonded pretty early. We were one of the more active groups prior to hitting boots on ground. Um, we had coordinated to get together, have a, you know, eat the night before, before going into the, the morning of, we finally meet, you know, but the, the nerves immediately at that point start to kick in. You're like, oh, my God, we're here. There's no going back. Um, everybody's super nervous. Everybody has you got guys that are humble. And, and then you got guys that have like a layer of I'm able to blah, 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 blah. And then you have guys that really don't say much and they're just observing. Um, so we were able to capitalize on everybody's dynamics, but we had a freaking awesome group, but we were surprised to be the one to lose the, one of the first two guys that left were from our group completely stunned us. 
but for me, I was like, okay, I'm finally here. I'm, 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 I was excited. And, and when I get excited, I, it's kind of like, I got like a little skip, but you know, like I tend to bounce around. Like if I'm on about it, I was like, I'm here. Like I made it for me. At least that's how I felt. So you went through day one, day two, day three, progressively, you know, I remember, um, vividly, I remember your, um, your group and, um, in this particular group, you know, the, we had very different walks of life, but, um, you know, talk to me a little bit about how the mindset was within the group after a couple of days, after you guys started to get to know each other a little bit, um, just, uh, and you guys started to come together. Talk to me about that. Yeah, so we immediately, day one, was people struggling because everybody's thinking of themselves. Uh, we're all trying, many have felt they had something to prove. They wanted to be the, the alphas or they wanted to show leadership. So there's people barking orders. There's not much behind it. There's others sure. that are truly yeah. leading and helping each other. And there's others that don't even mm -hmm. think of anybody else. All those, that is exactly what you said. So day one is kind of like everybody's just gauging each other. Day two you know, the reality starts to kick in. Day three is when everything really came together as a group. At that point, everybody had taken their ego, I believe, most of them. There were still some people with egos. Um, uh, but the majority of the guys at that point started bonding, working together, strategizing, supporting each other, figuring out who needed to be there for who, who needed to be there for what challenge. Um, the bonding in the in the barracks was outstanding day, day three was like the time but then that's when it got stepped up as well but i believe by that time all the walks of lives have been shelved all those walks of life were not a a, a topic we were all equal I, I think there was no longer any judgments awesome so your experience overall in the crucible, I mean, it was, I remember, you know, looking at you, man, there were some times where, you know, like every man there, you know, you're struggling and you're pushing. Mm -hmm. um, did you, do you think that you were ready physically and mentally to do this? Do you think that it broke you, you know, or, or was it something that completely came out of left field and all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, we're in for a ride of our lives here. Yeah. So I thought, like I had shared that I had prepared as best as I could, but there is no preparing. Um, there's, if anybody thinks they're going to walk in here and have their, the plan figured out, it doesn't happen. And I'm a strategist is what I do for a living. I read rooms. I, I thought I had, I could tell you I was better prepared than many, but absolutely not. I, I you know, and without going into details, I still remember in one of those situations having to run out naked, because I had no choice with what the issue that was. I couldn't even prepare. Um, so there, there, there was no preparing. And I definitely was broken, which, you know, they wanted to. I'm like, you know what? I'm getting through this. But I broke the after. My breaking point was, and it wasn't physically. It was mentally and emotionally, was the afternoon of day three. Um, so for sure, I did not expect what... Uh, the outcome of this process was for me. It's what I was hoping for, but I, I, yeah. Now, as you guys built the camaraderie and you started, you know, getting stronger towards the end there, talk to me a little bit about 
just your process mentally, you know, kind of digesting, not, not just the crucible, but as you were pushing to, you know, to graduation, you know, I love to talk about, you know, what every man kind of goes through and, and, and when you have, like you said, you had a breaking point, uh, maybe yeah. a, a point where you had an epiphany or you were kind of like you, you shifted your mindset, you know, talk to me about the process going into graduation, like, right at the moment that you know that this is, you know, getting to a point now where you're just, you know, you're broken, but mm-hmm. how did you come up and rise up? How did you, I mean, did you look around you and say, man, you know, I got brothers next to me, or was it something very internal? Talk to me about that. For me, I, I was always very conscious of my brothers. In fact, I was typically one of the ones that when someone was falling behind, I was, I would stay back there with them, but not like encouraging them. I'd be like, put your hand over me, grab my sack, let's go, don't stay, but not kind of like just staying there next to them. So I was always very conscious. I was giving them any medication that I could give them for their needs. I was always very conscious of my brotherhood. I feel as best as I could, but mine was internal. When I broke, I realized that this wasn't about me or I thought it was only about me. Um, And I remember... Coach Blake, I believe, telling us, journal your experience, write everything down every day so that you don't forget where you were. And I had been doing that. But when I go back to my journal, day three is where I started thinking of my wife, my kids, my mother. It all kind of like went to full circle that I'm not alone, that I'm not, it's not me against the world. It's like I have this amazing a family and unit and friends that I really have never allowed them to come in and be a support structure because I'm supposed to be the rock for everybody. And when I went through that, where I, where I was broken um, in a specific activity that you did, and I clearly remember exactly what it was, um, I felt free. I, I could breathe again. I could cry. I hadn't cried in and I, at that point, it, the tears were just, everything was releasing from my person. It was a monumental uh, accomplishment for me. And the weight that I have been carrying for so many, even the loss of my son, um, the guilt that I wasn't there for him, it was like, you know, he forgives me. It, it's, it's, it's okay. Um, I, it's not my fault. And I had a lot of personal release leading into graduation. Very nice. Very nice. The, the coaches, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, do you feel like the coaches, you know, were there inspiring you, motivating you, but at the same time hammering you? I mean, how did you feel that balance hit you? Man, it's, it's a conflicting relationship. And the first few days, and it's not intimate, you know, no man I think goes in there expecting to get abused or picked on or whatever. We're all men. We know it's not a bullying thing, but it is intense. I'm not a military person. I'm not uh, an armed forces person. I'm not used to going through academies like that where, you know, the option to quit is not an option. And what I realized after day two and day three is that their job was to ensure that we didn't mind fuck ourselves, period. And it wasn't going to be nicely by being, come on, you can do it. It wasn't, it's not a cheerleading process. It is, you're a man, you're here, you can do it. Don't be a bitch and get through it. And then little by little, once you've proven that you're there for at least 
that you've committed to the process and you're still hanging in there, then every once in a while, though, at the right time, they give you what you need to lift you up. They give you what you need to not quit. They give you what you need to be like, this is a real guy that cares about me. But it's very strategic. It's not vomit coming out at all times. It is very calculated. And who does what, depending on the relationship that you established with a coach. Um, so I found it to be very well balanced, yet not giving it was earned kind of it has to is, does that make sense i like you had to totally. earn the respect they weren't just going to give it to you you had to earn it totally yes i mean we have men that come in through the process and come in with a very very high ego um guys that you know either served in the military or in law enforcement and come in with these these egos um and once the crucible bit slaps them a couple of times they realize that they're in for a ride of their life and it's a lot more difficult um, and what I try to encourage these men is, look, build a relationship, earn respect from the coaches. Um, and it just, it happens to be that there is a clear alignment between finding respect for yourself and automatically you'll start seeing that coaches start respecting you more and more. Exactly. Um, it's almost like that self-worth, right? Many men have this very low self-worth, but um, once you start increasing your, your self-worth, the way that you think about yourself, you grow and you become stronger pretty much in everything that you do. Now, let, let's talk a little bit, uh, JC, about, um, so a lot of businessmen ask me, hey, how will this crucible help me in my business? How, I mean, a bottom line, you know, bottom dollar, right? How is this going to increase, you know, XYZ, my sales, my this, my that, whatever, you know, what would you say to that? I get approached all the time because those of you, those that know me knew where I came from and I get approached all the time. Hey, how can I open a school? How can I do a business? How do you have 20 schools? Like they think it's easy. There's no magic pill to getting here. However, there's a state of mind that is necessary to get here. And I had always within everything in my life had been recognized, whether it was athletics, work, colleagues, friends, for being, I guess, above average is the way that I would like, wow, you're you, wow, wow, wow. And it was also, you know, you kind of start getting an ego from that. But my drive was all has always been balls to the wall. It's always been all or nothing. So there's men out there and women you know, that want to be independent, want to be self-employed, but don't have the capacity mentally to go through the struggles to get to the reward. So for me, when I left my career as a principal in 2005, near six figures, my wife as well, that's a lot of money back then, both of us, I let my certificate expire, I let my licenses expire, I let there, there was no choice for me to get comfortable and say, okay, I can always go back. I did it with the support of my wife. I, I spoke to her. So what this process I feel, and I've witnessed it with some of my brothers in my group, it's gone. It, it's giving them and me the courage to possibly react versus just think and actually take initiative and implement 
and follow through with things versus getting comfortable and being like full of excuses. So we've had multiple brothers in my group that have left their careers within from April and are currently in the process of trying to pursue a dream that they've had their whole life and never had the balls to do. But definitely what, it, what it's given and I've witnessed it is the ability to have courage to take on what you probably never thought you could do. I, I really feel that's been what, I, and I've witnessed it, man, for sure. Awesome. You were you were in certain leadership positions within the the crucible. You know, you, you're either you're here or you're there or whatever it is. But my question is, for those who maybe lack some leadership skills, do you think that the crucible helps them build that those these le oh. leadership qualities? Yeah. So what what ends up happening is that you're going to have strengths and weaknesses. We all do. And what I found throughout the crucible is that even the people that were not uh, by nature are not leaders when they found an area or a groove where they did and can provide to their to the brothers that were going through the process, they did. So many had the courage to step up and say, hey, listen, I did. so I saw I found people getting out of their boxes and out of their comfort level. Um, and many had tons of stories while we were in the barracks and we would talk and this and that. And they have followed through with some of those dreams that they had that we would share after it. So I definitely feel that for sure at all levels, um, it impacted. It's definitely, definitely. Awesome. So, so you think you use the word courage pretty often there. You think that it actually helps build courage, to, especially the type of courage where it's not just doing something simple, but maybe a little oh. bit deeper, right? That's what it, I see too. And, and I've witnessed it. I've spoken to two of my brothers this past week that asked to, to speak with me and they didn't want to talk to me about my successes. It's funny. They, they, they wanted my story of how I got there. They're like, please tell me the truth. Tell me what it was like when you struggled, when you were growing. And I'm like, I'm glad you're asking me that because no one ever asks that. Everyone wants to know the finish line, but there's a journey that you must commit to. And unless you're willing to commit to that, stay working for someone else or stay in your little routine, stay in your comfort box. Um, but the fact that that's what they wanted, they're consciously saying, I'm ready for war. I'm, I'm ready for what this is gonna bring to me. Uh, so definitely for sure, it, it brings a level of confidence. It brings a level of accomplishment. Like you're able to do it, you know, let's, let's, let's go for it. Awesome. Very good. So just finalizing this a little bit, um, what would you, what advice would you give someone that is maybe interested in coming in and doing the crucible and it's kind of like on the fence and doesn't really know, you know, if it's for him or, or, Maybe uh, he's a little bit frightened. Um, what advice would you give someone like that? It's funny. I just I just spoke to a, a dear friend of mine that saw your uh, when you were going into group 13. And I post, I guess when I post in a public area, it comes up to some of my friends from social media. It's not our private society. And he emails me, hey, listen, I know we haven't talked in a while, but tell me a little bit about this. I saw you commented. And I said, look, um, I, without giving you much, do your research and so forth. But if what you're looking for is a change in life, a new edge, uh, a new and to be a better man, a better father, a better husband, a better son, a better everything, it's for you. Oh, but I'm not the fear <laughs> is what kid. Oh, but I'm seeing what's happening. I'm not in that physical condition. And, and I'm telling him, listen, we had guys older than me. We had guys heavier. I'm a big guy. I'm six feet, 220 pounds. I had some guys 
you know, like Fonzie and stuff like that. These are big guys and they did it. They did not quit. And I'm like, you got to get that shit out of your head. Stop mind fucking yourself. And if obviously you're talking to me, it's because you're looking for something. So I guess what intimate, there's an intimidation factor to many people that they feel that the whole physical aspect, but what you gain from it, it's beyond the physical and what comes after, which I'm sure, you know, that comes when, when it's your time to share that, but what comes after it, it goes so far beyond it that I highly recommend that anybody that even stops for a moment and looks at it is because they're looking for something in life. They're looking whether it's your program or something, they're looking for something. If not, they wouldn't have stopped and, 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 and looked at as I did. Get past the physical part, prepare responsibly, but don't let the physical intimidation determine your decision to move forward with it. A lot of guys ask me about the Man of War Society. What is the brotherhood? What is it? You know, a lot of guys are like, well, there's a secret society of men, blah, 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 all this shit. So you know, to, to simplify it here, and it's uh, obviously we're not going to get into it too much, right. but bottom line is, hey, you know, it is a private brotherhood of men that are, you know, in constant communication. They're mm -hmm. pushing each other. They're challenging. When you came into the society, when you were, you know, brought in and you went through, um, a lot of people think that it's just some bullshit Facebook forum or whatever, but oh. when you went in through the culture and then you went, you know, you got the kind of brought in and these guys are all open arms for you i mean how what was your experience like when you entered the the mow so it was that that part was instant gratification because i wasn't expecting it you know i i had not we're not exposed to that facet of the the the, the society we know there's a group of men that have gone to absorb but what comes after that uh, if you're willing to be open to it, I'll be honest with you. I was open to it. I wanted to see these other individuals that had gone through what I had gone through. They didn't matter their social status, what their accomplishments were, nothing. I wanted to see what kind of men they were, um, not only as in the businessmen, but with, with families and things like that. Um, it was amazing. And I still, to this day, have with my, with my, our cadre that was from our group, we, you know, I have, I received years of therapy um, <laughs> after the loss of my son. And I had three sessions, just talking conversation with Coach Blake. Three. Yeah. Yeah. And the release that, and what I got from conversations with this man yeah. have eternally changed my life. Um, I had a simple hug from uh, Coach... Uh, Oh my gosh. I'm Kevin. Kevin. Yeah. Coach Kevin, before we left the graduation, very stoic man. If anybody's got, they'll know, but he just very faith-based as I am. So we have that bond. And he just hugged me and whispered something into my ear that I was that simple act. I can't find that in my society. I can't find that in my social circle. These are individuals. These are men that are literally here. They're men for others, not just for themselves. There's no judgments. You're not being put, you know, you're not in a, in a certain status where everybody just wants something from you. It, it, the society, and I've, I've created like with my squad leader, Ryan, we were on the phone for, after our squad meeting yesterday for over an hour, we were on the phone for two hours after that because of what he's going through for his. So I don't have that. I, I, I can only find it here. And even my wife has a hard time 
understanding this and she's still a skeptic i'll be honest i'm, I'm an open book sure. but but i'm like just look at my behavior look at my actions stop judging what you don't know because i can only let you in so much but judge the man that i am and she's like no i get it but it's the fact of not knowing <laughs> it's really what right. it's not controlling right. her husband or anything like that right but no the brotherhood i've been i feel and even our group is still every day we communicate every day every day someone is motivating someone is asking for help someone it's it, it's it's amazing it's definitely amazing awesome brother well listen man it is it is awesome to have you on um not just on the podcast but to be able to walk this warrior's path with you shoulder to shoulder uh to bring you on as one of our brothers and like you you know there's there's other men walking this path uh right next to you and the beautiful part about this is you're one of those that has stepped up had a very powerful story and you know is living this life you know there's is you're living literally these principles everything that we teach everything that we you're living it and exhibiting it and manifesting it into your life so like you man i wish there was more men uh, out there that can be able to to mirror what you've done in your life because there's a lot of fallen men especially going through um, a catastrophe like you went and you just kept on forging away and here you are today a stronger man a stronger leader and a stronger husband and father so i appreciate you man no thank you and I, and like i have told you before and even yet uh, when you finished your group 13 i said you know thank you for your vision and what you continue to commit because it's very it's it's, it's a selfless act people don't understand it there's there's a business component but and you and I, what you you were one of my five, which no one understands. And I even asked you, how many times have you been asked by the brothers when they first come in? You were one of the ones I wanted to talk to. And, and we had lunch. Um, and when I go into depth of the vision that you have and, and the selfless acts of your program, because not everybody will see that until they're in. Um, I admire it. I, that the fact that you're trying to create better men, not only for the society, but for their families and for their communities. Uh, no one will understand it until they're they're on this side, and 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 thank you for that. At least I thank you for myself personally and for the changes you've made in some of the brothers that I've witnessed. All right, thank you, JC. Thank you for being on, brother. I appreciate it. God, God bless. bless you, man. All right, great conversation with JC Quintana, man. This guy is legit, one of our made men, and he is a man that's walking that warrior's path along with hundreds of other brothers within the MLW. All right, quick note, do me a big favor. If you have, by any chance, read the Redefining the 21st Century Man, please leave me a review on um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever it is. It'll be really meaningful. I'm trying to get to a certain number of reviews so we can stay relevant out there. Um, and finally, all right, give us a follow on all the social media outlets. Okay, Man of War on uh, with two R's on IG and Rafa J. Conde on TikTok and also on uh, Facebook. Uh, just find us at Man of War. All right, guys, God bless. Until next time, your life may be challenging and full of dangers, but never, ever retreat. Your last battle may be your greatest victory. <laughs>